marking 30 years since we topped Europe. The official station of the Dons presents Gothenburg Greats. Where did the time go on? You know, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? You know, and to think that 30 years ago we beat the mighty Real Madrid. It is hard to believe. It's no so long ago since you mentioned about the 25th anniversary. It was a highlight of my uh, football career, without a doubt. Time flies and uh, it's quite amazing 30 years, but... Uh... Never forget, never forget that night. It was a great uh, achievement, a wonderful night and uh, something that uh, everybody will remember that was involved in that. People mentioned it, that it's 30 years and just can't believe it, you know. I remember it as if it was yesterday, the night, and euphoria after it. Just working with a phenomenal bunch of people, the world's best manager, some of the best players produced in Scotland, and in a dressing room that was... Um, it was electric, just electric. It's hard to believe that 30 years have passed since uh, that memorable night. Um, it's always nice to get back in touch with the players and, and reminisce. It's still fresh in the memory, you know, but uh, to think it's 30 years ago, it's, it's amazing. They had a good team. They had a really good team. Aberdeen is something different. It's spirit, a team of spirit. They knew they were going to win. You know, it was fantastic. I've been lucky enough to have a lot of highs in my career and stuff like that, but uh, I think that I would maybe top them all. 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid. This is Gothenburg Greats on North Sound 2. Jim Layton, Doug Rugby, Alex McLeish, Willie Miller, John McMaster, Neil Cooper, Gordon Strachan, Neil Simpson, Peter Weir, Mark McGee and Eric Black. Substitutes Brian Gunn, Andy Watson, Stuart Kennedy, John Hewitt and Ian Angus. The Aberdeen squad selected for the European Cup Winners' Cup final on May the 11th, 1983 against Real Madrid at a rain-lashed Gothenburg. I'm Dave Galloway and over the next hour we'll pay tribute to the men who won the trophy 30 years ago to the day. Before we start the journey to Gothenburg, an important part of Aberdeen's education came back in 1980 in the European Cup. That was Liverpool's fourth goal in the Dons' 4-0 defeat at Anfield that sealed a 5-0 aggregate hammering. But skipper Willie Miller says that was all part of the learning curve. It was a, a stark reminder of what... European football is all about and uh, how difficult it can be and the quality of opposition that you're going to come up against. Um, so yes, the, 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 the good thing in these days was you could keep a team together to, to learn and uh, you know Aberdeen managed to do that. He made some changes over the years, uh, Alec Ferguson, but uh, you know had, was able to keep the nucleus of his team together and uh, that nucleus... Uh, with the experience that they had gained both at domestic, okay, European level and international level I think was definitely a big help in uh, being able to allow us to cope with uh, the pressures and uh, the game situations that they were going to have to cope with uh, to get to a European final You spoke about Sir Alex there did, did, did he instil that sort of belief in you and the other players that you know you, you, could, you could take on and beat anybody, there was no need to be afraid of any team well, yes, uh, we, uh, he, he certainly had that mindset, uh, which uh, uh, suited me quite well. It lined up with uh, my mindset as well. And, uh, you, you know, the players that formed that team in 83 were all very strong characters, uh, very determined, uh, very positive. Uh, and, you know, we'd built up uh, domestically um, a reputation of being able to do that. Uh, Alec Ferguson always said that... Uh, 
you know, you, you, you just couldn't be as good as the old firm if you wanted to win things in, in Scotland. You actually had to be better than them. And uh, you had to beat them in Glasgow as well, which was a huge challenge. Uh, there's not enough a lot of teams that were capable of doing that. Um, so, you know, he certainly in, instilled that winning mentality. It started with the domestic football, uh, and it certainly carried on to the European uh, arena as well. Uh, that determination, that will to win, along with his football knowledge and his tactics, and uh, y- you know how he coped with the pressure of European football and how he allowed us uh, to just get on with uh, playing the game and he would take the pressure off us. He certainly did that. Um, But we were well-schooled. We uh, understood what it was all about, Uh, certainly. uh, Sir Alex and Archie Knox uh, made sure that, uh, you know, that the opposition were known, uh, that that was conveyed to us, that uh, we understood the tactics and we were drilled well. So... That allied with that uh, will to win and uh, the characters that were in that dressing room obviously was a formula that brought the success. Alex McLeish knew Sir Alex Ferguson could bring success to the Dons. I remember us losing a game in, in uh, Germany year before, maybe two years before, and, and seeing how disappointed uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was after the game, you know, when it was, the dressing room was empty and we were last to leave. and. He was just so devastated and, and I could see how much I hurt him. But I, I can kind of remember think, thinking, saying we were improving and thought we could do better in the next game, you know, and we were, we were learning as, as a young team and uh, so proved. Before conquering Europe, though, domestic dominance had to be achieved. John Hewitt. When Alec came, I mean, obviously the nucleus of the squad was already there, but he tweaked it here and there and brought in one or two players. But it, it was the, the, the installation of belief to into the players that we could go down to Glasgow and win in Glasgow. And, and the sheer fact that, that he was a born winner and he wouldn't accept second best, that he installed, us, installed that into the players at the football club. And all of a sudden, we went from being um, a sort of average football side a winning football side you know because we had that winning mentality and that was purely down to uh, Mr Ferguson Neil Cooper says under Fergie and assistant Archie Knox the players were fearless in the past I think for Aberdeen to go to Glasgow and play Rangers Celtic and get a draw was a big result you know and you know well that was a great result but we went there you know to these kind of places to do one thing and that was to win matches and that's what was a big thing you know very very good technically, very good tactically, both of them. Um, you know, especially you know in Europe as well. You know, he'd go and watch him, or Archie would watch him, or they'd both watch him. Teams were playing, and you know, do dossiers for us to look at, uh, and not not things that were really boring. Just a little bit about each player we were playing against. So on that note, he was very good, um, motivator, inspirational. I can think of loads of things. And at, at times, very hard, you know. I mean, and, you know, we've all seen the hard side of him. Um, and I've had a few roastings from him in the past as well. <laughs> and, you know, at the times, you know, you might look back and think, was it bullying? It wasn't really bullying. It was just, you know, he was, he was hard. If he didn't perform, you, you got both barrels from him. But hopefully I reacted to things like that. Some boys couldn't react to it. You know, I played with him in my life. You know, and they couldn't deal with that. And... With Fergie, you had to deal with it, you know, because you had to be mentally tough as well as physically strong, you know, and uh, 
the, the thing with him though was if he felt you're if you were that way inclined that you'd get an opportunity and I fortunately did at a young age did Fergie maybe respect you more if you, if you maybe stood up to him and didn't sort of cower away in the corner? Did he like that sort of spirit within him there? <clears throat> no, I think if I did that, he'd have battered me. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, we were all petrified of him. A lot of what he said to at the time was, uh, you know, we'd been, if you look back at the games yourself, you think, mm, I could have done better, you know, he'd come in and he could do that to me and he'd get a reaction, you know, I'd go out and made sure I performed better than I was doing. But uh, I wouldn't believe any of the boys if they said they weren't scared of him at times. I was scared of him, gosh. But that's the kind of figure he was, you know. Here's Peter Weir's take on Fergie's famous hairdryer treatments. It did frighten you when, you when you listened to it, but, oh God, when you experience it, and I experienced it many times, don't you worry. As many players did, maybe one or two that will kid you on that uh, they never got it, I never saw it, it didn't bother them. Let me tell you, it was quite frightening. And uh, you didn't know sometimes you were coming in at half-time. I've seen me coming off the park at half-time, just say for talk, say playing at Rangers at Ibrox and you've made a goal and you've done well and you think oh god he'll be happy and he just you know verbally attacked you as soon as you get in the dressing room there was other times you were cut off the part you've not done well you've had a bit of a nightmare and being stepped into that dressing room expecting the hair dryer treatment but he's already started to somebody else in the corner you know so it was a, a psyching out uh, he was clever you know he knew when to do it and who to do it to and uh, it depends, you know, they'll be looking for response. Can you handle the situation? Can you handle uh, the verbals? But you laugh at it now, you know, but uh, it certainly wasn't easy at the time, I'll tell you that. John McMaster says the manager's outbursts were legendary, but what an impact they had. I don't think anybody missed a hairdryer, you know, but it's good to talk about it. And uh, I can tell you a few stories, but I, I don't want to be getting sued from Sir Alec. So, uh, no, I think it's uh, just. The man he was, he was a young man, ambitious, hated getting beat, hated people getting the better of him, and it let it show. His emotions was so raw. But uh, you can see him now, he's, 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 he, he has his moments now down south, and he puts people in their place as well. But it's all about respect. Football's about respect, and the man deserves the respect he gets. And uh, he's, he's a genius as far as doing what he's done with us and what he's doing with millionaires. It's difficult to try and say to millionaires, I'm dropping you. <laughs> Whereas with us, it was a matter, a matter of competitiveness. And if you were left out, it was a disaster because you wanted to play in the team and you know the team was going to be successful. Of course, the Alex and Archie partnership played a vital role in the glory days. Yeah, it wasn't always a bed of roses with uh, Archie and Sir Alex. You know, Archie loved taking the trainer. Didn't like when the gaffer came in and and took over when he was in the middle of a training session. So there was an occasion or two where the Tammy would get thrown to the ground in disgust and uh, he would stomp off. Um, but that 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 was Archie. That was uh, Sir Alex at the time. But uh, a great combination. Uh, they worked extremely well together. Uh, they, they, they were quite similar. Archie was the, you know definitely the noisy one about the corridor. You could always uh, uh, hear him coming. I suppose. Uh, the gaffer was uh, the stealth bomber. You, you didn't really hear him coming, but uh, you certainly 
felt the way to his power when he arrived. So a very good combination and uh, definitely a huge part, big, big part in, in the success that we had during the 80s. So to that momentous European Cup Winners' Cup run, which lasted all of nine months. That's because we had to play a preliminary round against unknown Swiss side Sion. The first leg at Petaudry in August 1982 saw a 7-0 win for Aberdeen. Doug Rugby takes up the story. I think it was only fair that we did play in that round, you know. And uh, I was gutted that night because I, I came on the sub and scored my first ever European goal and I got chopped off because I think Sure Kenny was offside or something. I was really disappointed, you know. And then I, I got injured for the for the second leg. I missed that the second leg over in Sealand. Seemingly it was a fantastic um, a fantastic trip for the boys, you know, because not only the win but the but they, they did a bit of sightseeing and it was it really was fantastic um, countryside round about played there uh round and we did well. Jim Layton says nobody could possibly have envisaged what it would lead to. We just played, we were all quite young, so we never really thought of it, would it be this or that next thing. We just turned up and played. And after the, the game, I always remember um, Fergie telling us that uh, their manager said we would win the cup um, after, the, after the game. Um, we beat them 7 nothing out here. And the manager said we were good enough and we'd go and win the cup. Their manager, yeah. And it was, as you said, nothing was fairly comfortable night for you, was it? <laughs> yeah, person. but it's all, they're always hard nights for a, for a goalie when you've got nothing to do and you might have to make a save late on. So, but that was all part of my learning curve um, for you know European nights and international nights, playing in games like that. So that was a good experience for me. Jim was speaking there with Red TV's Mal Panton. Neil Simpson was delighted with his night's work. I, I remember it was a lovely sunny night. And I'm not sure we'd actually played a league game eh, before then. You know, it was really early in the season, and it was almost like a pre-season friendly type atmosphere. Eh, but it was actually one of the best performances Aberdeen had, had uh, put in a long time. And I popped up with a goal myself. I managed to chip the keeper, eh, which I remember. I remember the, some of the good goals, and eh, it was a great performance. Really good. You know, obviously set us on on my way to the. The first round. Eric Black says it was a professional performance. I suppose that was just a, a coefficient or whatever it was of Scottish football at the time, and um, but we dealt with it pretty well um, and got ourselves into the the, the, the cup um, in our own right, um, and obviously the rest is history. The Dons won the away leg 4-1 to complete an 11-1 thumping of the Swiss side. Everyone, though, knew much harder was to come. Certainly to go over there and play against the cream of German football and come away with a 0-0 draw. Again, you know, it, it adds another little bit to, to the confidence side of the game uh, within the dressing room. Little did we know what it would have to take to get through the tie, but we thought we had given ourselves a, a real opportunity. 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid. This is Gothenburg Greats on North Sound 2. North Sound 2, the official station of the Dons. 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid. North Sound 2. Mark McGee to find a way past on the left wing. A chance for the ball back. And it goes to John Ewan. John Ewan scores! This is Gothenburg Greats with Dave Galloway. Today we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the finest moments in Aberdeen FC's history. Coming up, Big Eck talks us through his goal that kick-started the amazing comeback against Bayern. That was a renowned from a goal-scoring exploits, but I scored a few important ones in that one. It's 
So, Aberdeen had thrashed Sion 11-1 over two legs to reach the first round of the European Cup Winners' Cup. Next up, Dinamo Tirana from Albania. A 1-0 home win for Aberdeen, followed by a 0-0 draw. The second round paired Alex Ferguson's men with Polish outfit Lech Poznan. We recorded wins of 2-0 at home and 1-0 away. So, on to the quarter-final draw. Bayern Munich versus Aberdeen. Neil Simpson's reaction? I think... uh... It was one off. Brilliant. What a big game. And Bayern Munich, a big team. And, but I think subconsciously, oh, you, you were probably wishing it was maybe somebody of a lesser, lesser stature. Uh, but to play against the biggest names in European football and one of the biggest clubs was always a challenge and always something that we... Uh, the first leg was at Munich's Olympic Stadium. It ended nil-nil. Willie Miller says it was a tremendous performance. We played well on the night. Uh, the, the disappointing thing was we didn't have uh, an away goal, which is always, uh, you know, or it can be crucial in European competition. But certainly to go over there and play against uh, the, the, the cream of uh, German football and come away with a nil-nil draw. Again, you know, it adds another little bit to, to the confidence side uh, of the game uh, within the dressing room, and uh, and it gave you a chance. That's what it did. It gave you a chance. Nothing more than that, because you knew that uh, that, that the tie at Petardu was going to be um, played on a knife edge. You knew that they had players of quality that could turn games very quickly, but we also knew that we had players of quality as well that could turn games very quickly as we did. Um, so it was a it was a great performance. Uh, defended extremely well. Kept the ball well. Passed the ball well. Um, a mature European football uh, performance on the night that uh, gave us a chance to take the tie back to Petardu with a chance. Jim Layton says the display made Europe sit up and take notice. I think over there in the nothing each game, there's probably our best performance that um, I've played in. I don't think they hadn't been beaten at home for about 15 years or something like that in, in Europe. And we gave them a right good going over over there. And unfortunately, we couldn't manage to score, but it wasn't for the lack of effort. We had a lot of shots on goal, and the goalie made some good saves. They had um, a fair bit of the game as well. I mean, it must have been a right good game for um, for people to watch, but it was a great performance. Um, many would consider it to be Aberdeen's greatest performance, would you, would you have it up there? It would be alongside the Real Madrid performance, but I think away from home over there. At that time, the the, the Bundesliga was the it was the biggest, uh, the strongest league at the time. It's coming back now, um, but the Bundesliga was the strongest league at the time. Um, so Bayern were arguably the best team in Europe at the time. Um, they were certainly a better team than Real Madrid, and to have the performance we had over there. Um, was phenomenal and a lot of boys grew up very quickly overnight in that game. Eric Black was also delighted with the showing but he knew the tie was far from over. I think that must go down as one of our best uh, performances. Um, I mean, going to the Olympic Stadium with uh, a plethora of German international players against us, um, the experience that Bayern had had in European tournaments and to get a 0-0 draw out there uh, was a fantastic achievement. It really was. It was a wonderful achievement. Um, little did we know what it would have to take to get through the, the tie, but we thought we had given ourselves a, a real opportunity. Um, after the game in, in Munich. Peter Weir also knew full well a very tough task still awaited Aberdeen if we were to put the Germans out. You know, Ruben, I got Willie Miller's defence did well 
I well worked hard behind the ball. You know, it was one of these famous Fergie nights that, you know, eight or nine is behind the ball, the ball defending as a team. And uh, it set us off for the second leg, although we knew it would still be very, very difficult. So, to the second leg and what was to ultimately prove to be Petaudry's greatest ever night. Ten minutes into the match, Klaus Augenthaler fired the visitors in front from long range, but back came the Dons and up popped Neil Simpson six minutes from the interval. It was actually, I mean, a great atmosphere. It was a slow start for us uh, because they scored the first goal and it sort of put a, put a dampener on it for about five minutes. But, you know, we, we picked up our game and, and uh, just before the end of the first half we managed to get a goal f- for myself. Uh, it was a great ball in by Mark McGee and Eric, as he did, gets a header on it and just knocks it past, uh, acro- well, across the face of the goal. And Augenthaler, who was a German at Arsenal at the time, just took a, an extra touch. He should have just hit it out of the park then. Of course, I'm coming uh, steaming in and obviously I, I saw the ball and, and uh, only one thing was in my mind, to just force it over the line. When you, when you could see the ball getting crossed from Mark and headed back uh, by Eric, did you just think, eh, this is my ball, out the way, out the way? Because you no, came in like an express train. Yeah, no, I mean, that's part of, part of midfielder and part of my role was try and get runs into the box. And luckily I timed it right where, you know, his touch took it right in the area I was I was running towards. And, you know, I just, I just went my whole weight right through the ball and, even though he was about double my size, <laughs> the ball still hitting the net. So it was it was brilliant to get back. So Petardry erupted, but it was stunned into silence when Bayern took the lead once again just after the hour mark and a great volley from Hans Flugler found the net. Time drifted on and seemed to be running out. Then, with 12 minutes to go, a towering header from Alex McLeish brought us level again with a mix-up free kick leading to the goal. Yeah, it was, it was uh, one we devised, the uh, manager and up, you know, had uh, said Let, let's try this and you know sometimes the boys get a wee bit embarrassed at training and, and uh, they kind of thought oh no that'll never work you know and so then they, they insisted just try it see what happens and so we did it a couple of times and the Germans were off the guard and it's Gordon and John McMaster did the, the clowning around trick then we were certainly on our toes waiting waiting in the quick ball in and uh, fortunately enough, I didn't score a lot of goals, and I was like, renowned for my goal-scoring exploits, but I scored a few important ones, and that one is right up there. Again, Bedlam at Petaudry, and the noise levels cranked up yet another notch just a minute later, when substitute John Hewitt grabbed the sensational winner. Great, uh, a long diagonal ball from John McMaster up towards Eric, and you, everybody knows how good Eric was in the air. He up, got up really early and well powered ahead header towards goal and I actually thought that the goalkeeper really was caught in two minds I don't know if he was meaning to, to flip it over the bar or actually hold on to the ball but he didn't either you know and, and the way it was it, it sort of broke down into the box and like what we were told as strikers to follow everything in on top of the goalkeeper in case he spilled anything and that was the case but I was fractionally in a bit too early and as I tried to adjust my feet um, my standing leg started to slip from it and I was lucky luckily enough I managed to get my left uh, foot around the ball and just basically hit at the target I mean, the ball went through the goalkeeper's legs, but that wasn't intentional. As I say, I was just trying to hit the ball at the target and hope that it went into the goal, and it did. And I guess time stood still for you then, once you'd hit the ball? 
Well, you know, I mean, once the ball hit the back of the net, I was sort of a mighty uh, roar from the fans at Bitodi because the fans were absolutely amazing that night. Coming up, Archie Knox speaks about Jock Steen's impact on the Don squad. I just felt like a father figure and a figurehead, you know, uh, there with us and supporting us. 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid. This is Gothenburg Greats on North Sound 2. North Sound 2, the official station of the Dons. 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid. North Sound 2. Chance for Mark McGee to find a way past on the left wing. Chance for the cut the ball back. In it goes to John Ewan. John Ewan scores! This is Gothenburg Greats with Dave Galloway. Let's talk more about that incredible 3-2 win over Bayern, which saw us through to the last four of the Cup Winners' Cup. Eric Black wasn't among the goals, but he played a crucial role that night. To come back so quickly with very sort of few minutes remaining was was exceptional. As I say, it's, it's hard to put into words just uh, the sheer joy of that moment. Uh, I would love to repeat it. <laughs> If you could bottle the atmosphere at Petardry that night, you you could make a fortune selling it. Oh, without question, yeah. I'm sure a lot of Aberdeen supporters and the people that were there, I'm sure it's the one that they talk about constantly, um, probably even better than the final, I would imagine. So it's it was a special night at Petardry um, and something I'm very proud to have been part of. And, and of course, um, you set up uh, two of the goals yourself, didn't you, that night? Yeah, I was involved in them, but... Um, uh, everybody, I think, on that night uh, played their part. I don't think there was anybody that didn't have a you know, eight or nine out of ten and who performed what they'd been asked to perform. And, and thankfully, the the result went our way. Yeah, uh, the manner in which you you played a part in those goals it was uh, the uh, the thing that so many people mentioned the the, the way you climb up for the ball and you just kind of hang in the air and then nod the ball down or whatever I mean was there was there a, a secret to that was there did you have to practice that technique um, not really no I think I was just fortunate to, to acquire it um, I, I, I realised when I was about 15, 14, 15 that I, I could attack the ball and timing of winning the ball um seemed to be better than most but um, I'd, I'd, I mean I practiced it obviously in training every day because that's what you did um, not specifically that but um, it was just something that I was fortunate enough to have and to have rather and I, again I played with a lot of good players who I knew what they were going to do over a period of time and it, that certainly helped me as well. Well the Dons avoided Real Madrid and Austria-Vienna to be drawn in the semi-final against Watershy of Belgium who'd seen off PSG in the last eight. It was another fabulous night in the first leg of Petodri with Doogie Bell, the architect of a 5-1 win. Neil Cooper is full of praise for his contribution. Doogie, you know, he's top midfield player, you know, and great ability and strong and a, and a fiery character as well, you know, but he'll admit himself, you know, he didn't want to pass spot anybody ever. <laughs> Just wanted to dribble it all night and day, you know, and we laugh at it still, but that night he was superb and, uh, you know, Unfortunately, due to injury, he missed out in the end, you know, in the, in the final. But uh, no, he was excellent. He he really won the game that night for us. Doug Rugby says a blistering start set the tone for the evening. Early doors, he went at them, and it was his um, direct run that we scored the first goal off, you know. He crossed the ball to Eric Black, who just had easy tapping for the first goal, you know. And then it was just a, an onslaught from us, you know. A lot of boys tried to get in the act, you know. It was even the second half of Walla Mala, took a nosebleed, he was trying to get a goal. He tried to get a goal, but Matt McGee just popped him to it, you know. You can remember that one. 
and uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic night, wasn't it? We were 2 0 up inside four minutes. Eric Black with a tap in, then enter Simi. Dougie Bell again had the ball, and uh, he got the ball taken off actually. And the guy had a sideways pass across the edge of the box, and I managed to intercept it and take it past another player, past another player. I could say passing another player again, but I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah, every time you tell that story, it'll be oh, I bet, I bet, I bet four players, seven players, yeah. and uh, I mean it was a it was a firm trundler type of shot. It was firm and and struck reasonably well, and uh, you know the keeper couldn't hold on to it, and it, it was in. So it was two 0 and I, I mean I I went crazy. I, I really I enjoyed the Watershed game as did. The others, I thought, yeah, you know, it wasn't as clear cut as everybody thought. So we were two 0 up, and then it was pretty even again. And then in the second half, we scored another two goals quite quickly. They scored, and uh, then we scored a uh, fifth one. Well, Peter Weir scored the fourth, and uh, Mark McGee scored scored the last one. Ah, that was the. It's in. No, it isn't. Yes, uh, it is. No, it yeah. isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, th- it was quite funny. There was an old. Uh, Pinch now used to come and watch the train and Orlando I think was his name and uh, you know and we came out from training the next day just for a, for a sort of loosen up and I could see him shaking his head oh what's up he says that away go could be crucial <laughs> you know we were expecting him. well done lads that was brilliant but no no he was thinking of the negative <laughs> but uh, no it was a great a great result and we definitely had one foot in, in the final. The second leg saw Aberdeen's only defeat of the competition, 1-0. But the Dons were in a European final. Real Madrid made it through as well, beating Austria-Vienna 5-3 on aggregate. Assistant manager Archie Knox was sent on a spying mission to watch our opponents play Valencia in a league match. As he tells Red TV, he was running late when he got into his taxi to take him to the stadium. He uh, got me as far as he possibly could to the stadium, pointed me in the right direction and I ran from there, it was about a couple of miles, I ran I was fit enough in these days and I ran to the stadium I had no tickets, I go to the main entrance ask for tickets and my name, no tickets go round to another bit, or oh, they might be round there go round there, no tickets, I thought well what the hell am I going to do now, how am I going to get in here, I've got to get in you know the place is mobbed and the significance of that game was that Valencia needed to win to stay up and Real Madrid needed to win to win the championship. So it was massive what was at stake for both teams. So I said, I've got to get in and see this game. So I was in a queue and it came to my turn. I just breezed past the stewards and made it hell for leather up the stairs, only to be followed by the stewards who apprehended me and threw me out. And I thought, well, here we go, God Almighty, I'm going to get arrested at the game. So anyway, I headed round the other side of the ground again, and there was all the police motorbikes, so I says to one of them, I says, any chance getting me into the ground? And I told him the story, I had the Aberdeen tie and that on, the whole lot. He got me to the gate, and he says, look, if I sort of chat away to this guy, that'll um, maybe allow you to get a sneak in. So that's exactly what I did. Helford leather up the stairs again. These boys never bothered to come past me. And when I got up there, couldn't see a thing. All the aisles were packed, all the passageways were packed, the whole lot. 
So this was maybe about 20 minutes into the game. So I'm kneeling down on this passageway, looking through this boy's legs, and I can just see the game and no more. Safe to say then, Archie didn't learn a lot that night. So the Red Army was planning a massive invasion of Gothenburg. AFC club historian and lifelong supporter Kevin Sterling was one of 500 or so who went over by ferry. I'd been on the St Clair several occasions in the past, just, uh, you know, just on a trip to Shell. This was very, very different. We went to a local bar at 8 o'clock on the Monday morning. We had to be at St Clair by 12 for leaving at 1 o'clock. Um, so quite a few of the guys were quite tanked up before we even got to the um, onto the ferry. Uh, but it was a marvellous occasion. It was, a f- it was obviously the middle of May. It was a fine day. Um, and there was thousands... Um, just lining, you know, lining the quayside and, uh, and everything. It was, uh, it was, it was a one-off occasion. It was, this was all new, new territory for everybody involved. The, the trip took 27 hours. Um, so within that, I think I maybe caught a couple of hours. Kip. Many thousands more made the trip by air and road. North Sound's John McCruvey and fellow North East entertainer Patrick White flew over. I never, ever once thought in the couple of days I was going over to Gothenburg, that we were going to get beat. There was just... It wasn't even part of the plan. We knew... And and as soon as we arrived in Gothenburg and saw the rain, we knew we were going to win. Um, It was just one of those feelings that you got. Gothenburg were a bit surprised as well when they saw this... uh this uh, army of Scots fans and Aberdeen fans arriving, I think. Um, and it was a hell of a day in the rain. A lot said about the rain, but it, it was as bad as they say. It just didn't stop all day and all night. Um, but with a good time, and uh, I think the, the, the rain didn't dampen the, the atmosphere. And, of course, the Dons had become pop stars by then, as Jim Layton explains. Got a great record, yeah. <laughs> Um, Have you got a copy somewhere? There is one somewhere. I think everybody's got a copy somewhere. Probably um, quite valuable there. I would have thought so. There's some great voices on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's trying to say there was a lead one on, on it that you can hear, but uh, that was good. That fun that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you actually do it? Was it North Sound? Yeah. yeah. And we well, number one in North Sound. To be fair, the lyrics were very good, and it stood the test of time. It still gets played every now and again. And um, that was a bad one. Right, let's get a flavour of the build-up to the big match. The town was buzzing. Everywhere you went, they were talking about it. They were selling cars everything they can get their hands on to make the trip my brother-in-law stayed in Greenock and he, he sold his car to make the trip to Sweden as well to be honest with you that was fantastic and everybody was making sacrifices so is it they wouldn't want to uh, miss it if all the ferries were booked up the planes were booked up every mode of transport you can think of everybody got you're all hoping you'd be playing or picked and you never know do you, you know it's luck as well you need one or two boys get injured you then have an opportunity to play and, and you don't know up until you, really the day before that who, what is the team, you know, or the night before even. We were just delighted to be there. Was, got to Gothenburg, stayed in a place called Farzat. Uh, <laughs> Farzat. Which was, ah, you Farzat man. 
that's so strange, that, you know. And, and it, like I say to people, you know, you won't believe where we stayed. Far as that, you know, Big Simmy and Johnny loved it because they're far as that lads. <laughs> I shared again with Johnny. We're just sitting there talking the night before the game, saying, "Can you believe it? Two Aberdeen boys, you know, are involved in the European Cup Winners' Cup final against Real Madrid. This is bonkers, Johnny." And the two of us were laughing, you know. I said, "Can't believe it, Neil." So. We were two Aberdeen boys. I was 19, Johnny, maybe 20. In such a massive cup final. I was uh, very nervous. Could you sleep for a couple of, couple of nights? And uh, realising, you know, you didn't want to uh, let MD down. So there was a lot of tension. Although Fergie, Archie, uh, late Teddy Scott, you know, he was brilliant. You know, we had our, quiz, our usual quiz and arguments before the cup final the night before. Trying to settle us down, but uh, oh, we knew it was going to be a huge game, and you know we were told, "Look, forget Real Madrid. You're just playing a team, you know, in white jerseys." Archie Knox says it was a great move by Fergie to take Scotland manager Jock Steen along too. Having somebody a Jock Steen stature there on the plane with you, you know, he was talking to the press, he had a wee chat with the boys, that type of thing. Never interfered, obviously, or, or anything like that. But he was just. It just felt like a father figure and a figurehead, you know, uh, there with us and supporting us. And somebody had done it before, the, uh, the European Cup with Celtic. So that was, that was a big lift for just seeing him walking about the hotel and, you know, dropping a wee word here and there. So the scene was set at the Rain Lash to Levy Stadium for Aberdeen against Real Madrid. And a wonderful start for the Dons, as described by North Sound commentator that night, Rob McLean. And it's Gordon Strachan who looks up and uh, he'll take this one right footed. In it comes towards the edge of the box. In it comes McLean Schneider from Everett deflection and Black scores! Eric Black has put the Dons ahead! Oh, what a brilliant opportunity goal from Black there. Alec McLeach's header took a deflection off a Spanish foot and there was Black pouncing only two yards out to rifle that ball behind Agustin and the Dons go in front here in the Ulevi Stadium. There are seven and a half minutes on the clock and it's Aberdeen 1, Real Madrid 0. But minutes later, disaster struck. Real break and a chance for Real as they went into the box and it's a penalty kick and it's Santillana who broke through and a snap from a snap clearance. He outpaced the Dons' defence and as Jim Layton dived at his feet Leighton was forced to pull the legs from Santillana. The Spanish number nine was sent crashing in the box and the referee from his distant position pointed to the penalty spot. Richard, a personal tragedy there for Alec McLeish, unfortunately a short pass back into his weapon. Here's a penalty and it's uh, Tiny Juanito who will take this one. Will he place it to the right? Here's Juanito against Jim Leighton. He does, he places it to the right hand side. Jim Leighton's left and Real are back in this game. 15 minutes exactly have gone in the first half and it's now Aberdeen 1 Real Madrid 1 and what a tragic lapse in the defence for Aberdeen Could the Dons recover from that setback? I think you know the answer It was just a case of letting the ball hit off my head and direct it into an empty net Coming up, John Hewitt describes that goal and we hear from the man himself Even now, people say result, you beat Real Madrid How did you manage it? Sir Alex Ferguson 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid This is Gothenburg Greats On North Sound 2 North Sound 2 The official station of the Dons 30 years since we toppled Real Madrid North Sound 2 Chance for Mark McGee to find a way past 
This is Gothenburg Greats. This is Dave Galloway with the fourth and final parts of Gothenburg Greats. When we left you, Aberdeen were tied at one apiece with Real Madrid in the battle for the European Cup Winners' Cup at the Levy Stadium. It was a major surprise that the Dons had to go to extra time. Such was our dominance. Then, with only minutes remaining, this happened. We are a fine tackle at Watson, Peter Weir. He turns inside a couple of Real players. A fine chip downfield. A chance now for the Dons to break. A chance for Mark McKee to find a way past on the left wing. A chance for him to cut the ball back. In it goes to John Hewitt. John Hewitt scores! And John Hewitt has scored what could be a vital goal for Aberdeen. He jumps the last. And yet again, the value of John Hewitt as a super substitute has been showed. There are seven minutes of the second period of extra time gone. Only eight minutes of football are left here in the OLB Stadium. And John Hewitt's fine-headed goal has put Aberdeen in front. The drama wasn't finished, though, with a late, late free kick for Real that had to be retaken, only to miss the target by inches. Come on, ref, it must be time up by now. As the referee blows his whistle for full-time and extra-time, Aberdeen have joined the European elite tonight. They have beaten Real Madrid by two goals to one, a more sensational victory you will not see. It was 1-1 after 90 minutes. The match went into extra-time and in the second period of extra time with only some eight minutes of the match remaining John Hewitt struck from a Mark McGee cross a fine header it was and that was the all-important goal it's not the first time John Hewitt's done it and interesting to note that the two Aberdeen goals tonight coming from two of the youngest players on the staff Eric Black who's only 19 and who got that opening goal for Aberdeen and the all-important winner coming from the substitute John Hewitt and he's still of course is 20. Alex Ferguson rushing onto the field as is Archie Knox as the entire Don's bench and just listen to that Aberdeen crowd as the players come across to greet their support and the Aberdeen fans have turned in a wonderful performance tonight they've been on the best of behaviour since they arrived here in Gothenburg and they have used their tonsils to the best possible effect tonight and there you hear it the cheering, the chanting, the waving of Aberdeen banners which speaks for itself Alex Ferguson comes across even to the touchline, waves to the fans, says a big thank you. And what a historic night this is for Aberdeen Football Club. Two ecstatic scenes in the stadium and across the northeast as a massive party got underway. And what a welcome home for the local heroes. No, it was amazing. I mean, even from when we landed at Dice, you know, they were standing on the, the roof of the airport and then all the way in from the airport uh, up up uh, by the Hardigan, down to Queen's Road, right down Queen's Road. And as you say, when we hit the top end of Union Street, you couldn't see Union Street for people everywhere. And it was the same by the time we got down onto King Street, people everywhere. And then when we eventually got into Petaudry, they were even sitting on the track there was that much people inside the ground that day you know you, know, you think wow what, what have we done here you know and well I'm saying it'll never happen I don't I'd love it to but I don't think it will but you know to have, to have done that and experienced that feeling in Aberdeen that the, the togetherness everybody had and it was wonderful and you know everyone that was involved in it hopefully will remember good things from it nothing prepared us for actually arriving at the top of Union Street um, that's something that will certainly remain in, in my mind forever um, I, I mean it's, it was staggering to see the amount of people and 
the age difference of people and people hanging out windows and kids here and older people and it was just throngs of people down Union Street um, and then obviously onto the stadium which I thought well that's going to be empty the stadium if they're all up here but again it was a packed house and Fabulous, fabulous experience. Fergie was his fellow with Martin McGee because you wouldn't pick the tracks at top. He put his leather jacket on and he wouldn't take it off. So they were, they were So Fergie said, "You take that jacket off, no, no." You know, so it was really they were picking a couple of old women. So down at Petrodrie was was a full house, was it? It's a pity old Dick never chance to get in that day. He was gutted. Right from the the, the one go when he came out of the airport, the amount of people. And people want to congratulate you and talk to you and wave to you. Unfortunately, I've still got a good memory. I know we're getting older every day, but my memory's still good. And uh, these things uh, come to light and, you know, you, you smile at them because they were fantastic days, Dave. Fantastic. I don't think any of us really thought that uh, that we would get that kind of reception. We, you know, we'd been in home-top buses before. We'd had, you know, the welcome home to Aberdeen uh, situation, but nothing like that. And it was just wonderful. And then, you know, getting to the stadium and the stadium being packed as well. Just so many happy people and, and people enjoying the fact that uh, we could lift the European trophy. I've never seen anything like that in my life, you know. Uh, when we won the Cup with Manchester United in 1990, then uh, even the reception there was nothing like the reception we received in Aberdeen and come back to a, a full house in uh, Petaudry. Yeah. And the celebrations carried on. That was another night uh, <laughs> practically without any sleep. Where I went to a friend's house and uh, we, we just celebrated again. Then, as AFC historian Kevin Sterling explains, on the Friday, the Sinclair Ferry sailed into port with a special welcome at the quayside for the supporters. Nobody really knew uh, they were going to be there, um, but obviously when they turned up, word spread quickly. It was a case that everybody just filed off one by one. Um, it'd been a long, long week, but uh, it was a, it was a, a marvellous end. It was it was a kind of conclusion to it, you know, um, because we'd been on this uh, ferry all week and we came back and Mark McGee was there, Ferguson was there uh, and he shook everybody's hands and got, you know, touched the cup itself. So, let's leave the last word to the man who masterminded the historic triumph, Sir Alex Ferguson. People who are not Aberdeen supporters and now went to England to Manchester United and, and it, my first... Um, realization about how big it, that victory was. That say I was introduced to someone, and they would say, "I watched that game. We beat Real Madrid. Unbelievable." It was a bit of a miracle, we see, and people viewed it that way. They're doing England, and it's amazing how many people actually watched Aberdeen that night in England. Phenomenal, really. There must have been half the nation watched it because. This is a wee small team from Scotland, northeast of Scotland, out in the backwaters. And they produce a team with all homebred players, apart from um, Peter Wee and Gon Strachan, you know. I think that was only two in Man McGee, you know, it was all home produced players. So it's a fantastic achievement. And of course, um, I get that all the time, you know. Even now, people say, result, you beat Real Madrid. How did you manage it? You know. And, and it was as if Real Madrid were sort of a class at the time. They were Santan and um, the, Del Bosque, the, the, the coach of the Spanish team now, he played. And met got And the best player they had was a guy called Stilica. Stilica, a German international. He was fantastic that night. He hadn't played for seven weeks. And I said, well, there's no way he's going to play. 
you can't just play in a cup final, European final, after having not played for some weeks. He did play and he was fantastic. And then Camacho became the Real Madrid manager, left back at Spanish internationals. They had a good team, they had a really good team. But Aberdeen is something different, they had spirit, they had a team spirit. They knew they were going to win, uh, and, you know, it was fantastic. Yeah, the dog.